BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time in the Ben Jarowski show as I speak. It's the day before Christmas. Yes. December 24th, 2000, 20,000, 21. I don't even know what it is. I can't even get my mind straight. I'm afraid I have COVID. Just finished a long conversation with the great Eric Zorn, who uh, is just getting over COVID. I just got COVID on my brain. Got a little mini headache. So it's, oh, it must be COVID. Man, I've lost my mind. I think, uh, anyway, uh, I think the time has come for us to discuss a little basketball. That's my passion. That's my obsession. And uh, pretty much uh, once a week, we do a sports segment on the Ben Jarofsky show. So without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself. And then we'll begin the discussion of basketball. And I'm going to start. Uh, my first guest I'll ask to introduce himself is the recent college graduate. Introduce yourself. How's it going, everybody? I am Miles Porter, Porter, Roosevelt University graduate, winter class of 2021, host, host of the Midday Mile and baseball player, coach, and lover, and basketball. So here we are. All right. I love the lover part of that resume. Uh, and uh, yes, uh, and Miles, uh, for the longest time when we were at the uh, studio, was our uh, editor. Uh, and uh, he said since he graduated from college, he's going to demand uh, that we triple his salary for appearing on the Ben Jarowski show. <laughs> uh, so you got it. The check's in the mail. All right. Other distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hey, guys. It's... Uh... The guy who was completely wrong about the Bulls in the beginning <laughs> of the season. Uh, suffer along with ben J Benny J uh, with FOVID, I like to call it, where you, you think you have it all the time, but you probably just don't. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's Benny the book Benji the Bookie, who's not a bookie. Uh, but uh, he plays one in real life. And, uh, all right, so, Benji, you stole my thunder. You knew where I was going. You knew he, Miles. I said I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to lead with, and he just stole my thunder. The last <laughs> time the three of us Get were ahead together, of on a, uh, yeah, you were ahead of me. He, he knew where I was going with this. Uh, the last time Miles, Benji, and I were together 
Uh, we were talking about preseason predictions. And I was a mo- lot more optimistic about my beloved Chicago Bulls, as was Miles. Uh, Benji was not optimistic, to put it mildly. Uh, and so I guess we're going to start with the general uh, category. Uh, here we are. Let's see. So it's the day before Christmas. The big Christmas games are tomorrow. I'll be w- dutifully watching. I know you two will be as well. Uh, and uh, so I suppose, Benji, we'll just start with a real general question. Your biggest surprises of the season so far, uh, and I'm going to make you talk about the Chicago Bulls and their surprise there. But oh, take you it want away. you want all all like not just the Bulls across yeah. the NBA. Yeah, I would say let's just start with your biggest surprise. It maybe it's not even the Bulls, but maybe it's something else. What's your biggest surprise so far? The thing that caught you most off guard? Well, to me, I think the craziest thing in the whole league is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're playing three seven-footers. One of them's a rookie. The other guy was a a cast-off by the Nets uh, in their great, you know, like, you know, team-building exercise. And they they had to get DeAndre Jordan, so they felt it was okay to get rid of Jared Allen. Just give him away. And then Lowry Markin being the third, who the Bulls just couldn't wait to get rid of, it seemed like. So it's like two cast-offs and this rookie who's just incredible – and, you know, Darius Garland has really, really come out of nowhere. He's been fantastic this year as well. And they're doing this without, you know, their leading scorer last year who gets injured for the year right away. And now they probably don't need. They actually might play better without him. But, but what I think is the most incredible thing about them is they're, they're kind of going completely opposite script of everybody else. It everything's been trending small and threes and spread and all this. And, and they just said, we're just going to build this giant interior wall and good luck scoring. And then we're just going to, you know, have enough length on the offensive end to, and, and some shooting and spreading, but we're just, we're just going to like pummel you down low. And uh, at the end we're going to win. And it's been, I think it's going to be like, a whole game changer as far as like what teams do when they start uh, when, you know, just as far as prospects go. All right, Miles, your biggest surprise. Um, You know, I look at the golden state warriors and the success that they've had this year. Um, You know, I love the, the emergence of Jordan pool, Steph Curry, you know, I'm not trying to be biased, but he's my favorite player, of course. Um, but just their just their dominance as a team and the consistency that they're playing with on the you know the defensive end, offensively, I really I really think everything speaks for itself. Um, I look forward to seeing what happens when Clay Thompson comes back. I don't expect him to be at 100 percent efficiency, but he's just going to add more depth offensively to that team than they already have. So you know, for me, the Golden State Warriors have been incredible. I I, uh, I share that, uh, and this is a, a good point to come right back uh, to Benji with. I, I've been stunned by the Golden State Warriors, how dominant they've been, uh, and they've done it, uh, Benji, the exact opposite of what the Cleveland Cavaliers have done. And so your point is a good one uh, that Benji made. Uh, in the NBA, it's like the latest trend is what other coaches uh, and other GMs try to follow. It's, it's kind of bizarre. They just immediately will just – run in the direction. It's a copycat uh, it's, league. It's a copycat league. It's a herd league. Uh, but here we have two examples of two contrasting styles because the uh, Golden State Warriors, who have been, I think their record right now is 25 and 5. I may have it off, but they've been phenomenal. 
uh, all year long. They they blew out my beloved Bulls. They more or less play small ball, quick, uh, and uh, they they really have only one dominant. I don't even know if he's dominant, uh, dominant, but they have uh, one big man down low. So uh, as opposed to the Cavaliers with Mobley, the rookie, and Jared Allen, uh, it's like a contradiction there, Benji, and I'm not quite sure which one will prevail. So what's your sense of, you know, which will be the prevalent style, the, the, Golden, the Golden State Warriors style or the Cavaliers? Well, probably more the Warriors because uh, it's harder to find someone who's like, athletically as gifted as a Mobley uh, to, you know, if the bigs, it's hard to find like a combination of bigs that are, that don't just cause congestion and that kind of thing uh, where there's seems to seemingly an abundance of athletic shooters the year after year after year. So I think it's, you know, the predominance of the league will be more the golden state style, but it's nice to have difference. Yeah. It, yeah. it is nice to have difference. I'm going to go with my uh, biggest surprise, uh, and then we'll immediately go to Benji. Is it the Sacramento Kings sucking? No. <laughs> Not the Sacramento <laughs> Kings. They're never surprising. No, yeah. I, I never realized, I never th- imagined, I could say, that DeMar DeRozan would be as outstanding as he is. And DeMar DeRozan, of course, uh, is the longtime uh, Toronto Raptor, got traded to the San Antonio Spurs. The Bulls picked him up as a free agent this summer. A lot of people, including one, Benji the Bookie, uh, were shaking their head in disbelief at that acquisition. They didn't think it would work out. Uh, they didn't think he would work well with uh, Zach, Zach Levine. Uh, I, this is the first time I've really gotten to watch him on a regular basis, uh, Benji and Miles. And the, the guy is cold-blooded. And there's an element to his game that you just cannot calculate, you know, when you're just trying to like figure out when you just take a look at the names and put them on a piece of paper, that cold bloodedness. I don't know if you guys saw the Lakers game last week yeah. uh, where he just in the fourth quarter and they put LeBron on him. Doesn't the Lakers matter. put Le- in the past, whenever, yeah. whenever team put LeBron on any bull, <laughs> be it Derrick Rose, Jimmy Butler, knees yeah. are knocking. They're so yeah. nervous. Uh, yeah. LeBron, this yeah. guy was like, "Come on, boom!" He would hit her like, go like, dribble down and do that little fade away that he's got. Bam! Uh, and totally blowing up the notion that you have to have a three point shot. You know, mate, wait, two points is two points. Let's see if you can hit that three pointer. Benji, it caught me off guard. You were predicting something else. So address. Uh, the DeMar DeRozan <laughs> situation. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I, I always thought DeMar DeRozan was going to be great on the offensive end. Uh, I mean, what's surprising is how adequate he's been on the defensive end, but at the, on the offensive end as well. I mean, he's, he's in a, like a Bernard King level zone this year. I mean, this, from the mid range, it's just, it's pretty, it's pretty insane. Um, I mean, I hope it can continue. It was it was really nice to see him get revenge on LeBron after LeBron sent out his Toronto teams year after year after year, and he always, you know, just basically laid an egg. That's the one thing I'm a little worried about. Like, if uh, hopefully this is a new DeRozan in the playoffs because he's really kind of not had a, ever a good playoffs. But I, I I believe in this team, and the reason I believe in this team more than anything is the the Lonzo Caruso defense at the top is just 
it's mind boggling what it does to the rest of the below average defensive players are able to look really decent and, and take risks. And it's, it's okay because they just smother teams at the top. And when they're off ball, forget about it. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they gotta be a nightmare to play against. Miles, your thoughts. Yeah, I one thing you know, kind of going back to the Demar Derozan conversation is from mid range. He's so he's so lethal. He's so lethal. Um, and even even you know when he's going for the three point shot, I think he's great out there. But I really think, you know, Demar Derozan, you know, his mid range game to me is one of the best in the NBA, just because that's like his most comfortable shot. And he's really good at creating space for himself. And you know, when we talk about Lonzo and Alex Caruso, the way that they're uh, facilitating and the way that you're you know getting the ball to him and swinging the ball across the court it's just it's just amazing i'm loving i'm loving the pace that you know that the bulls are playing with and i really think it like helps demar Derozan uh with his style of play and it's just you know it's so fun to watch and you know huge shout out to lonzo ball because i've been loving the, some of the assists that he's been dropping some of the dimes that he's been giving to levine or Derozan or whoever it's just been beautiful to watch same thing with caruso he might be yeah. the most underrated player in the NBA. 100%. 100%. First of all. Well, we're going to get into this. I'm going to get into my scrap uh, heap theory uh, that Benji already kind of alluded to when he talked about the uh, uh, the Nets. But I'm, we'll, we'll get into that because Lonzo Ball is very much in, uh, in that theory. I'm going to go back. I'm going to stick with the Bulls for a while. Uh, it's it's not just, uh, it's not just uh, Lonzo Ball and uh, Caruso in defense. Uh, Javante Green. Oh, yeah. I mean, this guy, they got him playing power forward. Patrick Williams went down. I think Patrick Williams had gone down with the, when we did our last show, and so we were already a little worried about it. Uh, and this man steps up. I, I, they say he's 6'4". I, 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 I think he's about Miles' height. Miles, I think he's about your height. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, Miles, yeah. Just ima- you're like 6'2". Just yeah, imagine yeah. you playing guarding. LeBron James. This guy's fearless. You you, uh, you you put him on Randall of the Knicks. You put him on LeBron James. I mean, it's just a level of fearlessness that I see in the Chicago Bulls and Benji and Miles. I'm used to timid Bulls. You mentioned Laurie Markkinen. I'm used to Laurie Markkinen Bulls who back away from challenges, who uh, always have excuses. Laurie Markkinen is seven feet tall, Benji. I think the other day I saw he had one rebound. (laughs) One rebound? (laughs) It's like so. This is just a new mentality uh, in Chicago, and you, I gotta give the rookie credit. Aggressive oh, Finnish culture for weak NBA players. Yes, that's exactly what he is. <laughs> All right. So I didn't see that coming. <laughs> you know, I didn't see. In fact, I'll tell you this, Miles. I'm going to start with you in this one. Before the season began, uh, Jeff Van Gundy, who's one of the most annoying announcers in the NBA, if not the most annoying. Uh, was they asked him? It was at a preseason game. I remember where I was when I was watching. It was at my, with my brother, uh, with my son-in-law Brian, and uh, we were watching the game. And and his cohort said, "So, what do you think about the Bulls?" He goes, "Oh, their defense is not good enough. They, they won't." I'm like, "Wow, this guy just threw him under the bus. Season even started. The Bulls were four and zero in the uh, preseason at the time." Miles, when he said that, season opens, and Benji and I were texting. They're playing Detroit. The offense looked terrible. And uh, but that defense, as Benji was saying, you know, saved the day in that opening game. And ever since then, it's just been one guy substituting after another. And it's like a psychology. And They're to so me, deep, too, 
They 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 go ten deep. They I mean even their eleventh. I mean I don't even know who would be eleven or twelve. They rotate guys in so much. You know, Alize has some games, and then it'll be some other random person. Uh, you don't see Alize for two weeks, and then he plays again, uh, which is fine. I mean, but that's that's the problem. That's the problem you have with a super deep team. But right now, you know, it's an advantage, and it's for the whole year. It's been a massive advantage. Like their starters, as as good as they are, you know, they they can play even with the good good teams. And bad teams, they should be ahead, right? Uh, but the bench is almost consistently plus five, plus ten, uh, and that's that's just a giant advantage. Uh, now that advantage shrinks in the playoffs a little bit, so that worries me slightly. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean that's it's great job by the general management. Great job by the. I mean, you got to give tons of credit to Billy. Uh, I was just about to say, Billy deserves so much credit when it comes to balance the egos to get. He, I mean, he clearly has Zach and DeRozan and even Vooch buying in on defense, and yeah. you know they they move without the ball really well on offense. It's if they're fun to watch. Miles, yeah, uh, you know, just alluding to what he says is you know defensively the Bulls are so good at kind of like having a presence defensively on the court. Um, and as soon as they get the rebound or whatever. They're they you know they're they're up the court yeah they're they they shoot down um that's you know, a lot of Lonzo and yeah exactly exactly that's a whole that's a whole lot of Lonzo ball and you know that goes to you know his court vision just the things that he's seeing you know he's seeing that someone's halfway down the court already not cherry yeah. picking the Bulls aren't cherry picking they're no. just ready to get back on offense as soon as they get the ball um I'm just loving the pace that they're playing with it's just very good and for a young team like this I think that works to their playing style perfectly. Um, I love Billy Donovan's Bulls. I'm happy Jim Boylan's gone. I know he's been gone for a few years. But let me tell you something, Benny J. I did not like Jim Boylan. If he ever hears this, I don't like you. You, I hated, I hated what he did with Zach Levine, and did this, I think he hurt some careers. Um, so you know, I just, I love what Billy Donovan's done. Just uh, for this young Bulls team, is making every player feel good about themselves, uh, showing faith in every guy that goes out there, and it's just you know. It's great to see. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Uh, you mentioned Jim Boylan, and it's like a nightmare. And I, I Jim Boylan, listen, anybody listening to this uh, particular podcast is a basketball junkie. Uh, but just in case there are just some political junkies out there who are sticking with us on this, Jim Boylan was the coach of the Bulls. Uh, in the, it, it was too bad, really uh, bad uh, decisions that the Bulls made after Tom Thibodeau uh, left the team. Uh, I just, you know, I just, I just think about it like the bulls intentionally went into the desert and then, you know, just burned down the edifice. Uh, and to the Jimmy Boylan was the guy who, after the bulls got blown out in the game, he said, we are running uh, wind sprints. <laughs> He's like treating them like they're, uh, a youth team, uh, AAU team. So yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's get to the, my scrap heat theory of the NBA right now. And, um, I'm going to start with you, Miles, because it's going to be uh, your favorite player. I believe, Benji and I have had this uh, conversation for many times, uh, debate, the big debate about the uh, draft. Uh, and I say it's uh, overrated. I'm totally against tanking. Uh, Benji defends tanking and says uh, the draft is key. I believe that this year has more or less validated my view of the world uh, because I have the scrap heat theory. And that is there are so many great players in the NBA 
and so many bad managers of teams that players are getting just thrown around. They're mistreated. They're not used right. Uh, they're put in a bad funk. You, you, you encounter a coach like Jim Boylan who just like rips you down. Uh, the worst. Jason Kidd did to uh, Brogdon and uh, Bledsoe. I mean, you just you just see it all the time, and then the guys get bounced around, and they're they're labeled they they stink, they're no good. Cam- I'm thinking Cameron Payne, and all of a sudden they emerge on a new team. It's like, oh wait, this guy had talent, and that's my theory, the scrap heat theory. There's a lot of excellent talent out there you can mold into a successful team. And Alonzo Ball is at the top of the list. How two teams could throw him away? The Lakers threw him away, and then the Pelicans threw him away. Uh, two Miles, teams that gave away a lot of good guys. Yes. And we'll probably give away more. Yes. Uh, so, Miles, your thought on the scrap heap theory and, and how it pertains to Alonzo Ball. Go take it away. I think, I think you know, when it comes to that theory, it's we could, we could look at so many sports when it comes to – a team, you know, who drafted a player, didn't really buy into him very much. That player goes to another team and really succeeds there. Simply coming from an athlete's perspective, I think that change of scenery is just huge. And specifically uh, pertaining to Lonzo Ball, I think having a little bit less of his dad in his ear as well has really helped him mature over the over the years. Um, you know, I really do believe that Chicago was like the best fit for Lonzo Ball just in terms of you know, his system proficiency and how he fits into what the Bulls are trying to accomplish. I think he's the perfect example of just like, you know, young player still kind of trying to figure out a little bit. Uh, and that change of senior for him has been the biggest thing in the world. Now, when it, if we're going to talk about older players who are a little bit more established, I think that's a little bit of a different conversation because I don't know if there's much improving or changing someone's game going forward. But with Lonzo Ball, he's so young to the point where, you know, I think it's okay that the Bulls are his third team because he's still growing as a player. He just fits this system perfectly. And I think that goes for a lot of players who have been in his position. Benji, scrap heap theory. Go ahead. Well, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Uh, If you're a smart team, you're always looking for value anywhere. Um, And uh, clearly to trade with certain teams and to find – players that you know are on the downside like here's a great one De'Aaron Fox I would I mean that that dude just hates being there it's I've watched him for I'm a Kentucky fan I watched him forever you can just tell he's completely checked out of that world and not just him anyone on that team pretty much more than two years and so he just wants out and uh you know um just like anyone at a job they hate you're, you're not given a hundred percent. And so you're not, and if you don't give a hundred percent in the NBA, I don't care who you are, your stats go way down. You, you don't look as good. So you're undervalued. Um, you know, so to look at teams like that, New Orleans again is another crazy. I mean, I love Josh Hart. Uh, there's just like guys you can find, you know, and they probably don't think much of them, but they're they're They would be great on other teams. Uh, so, so you shouldn't ever just say no to that idea. But if you're a, a team with no hope like uh, Sacramento <laughs> or, or Detroit, right? I mean, Detroit's going nowhere fast. Then there's no reason to win. Like Oklahoma City has got to stop winning right now. They've like, been winning too much lately. They There's no reason for them to win 25 games versus 20 games, 
right? So, so that's where the tanking really is like smart. They're watch Houston get rid of like anyone who's doing good, like Eric Gordon and probably Christian Wood, and they don't want to win anymore. So they'll like they'll kind of sabotage their own season and then get more assets at the end. Um, but yeah, at some point you can't you can't just tank forever. Yeah, you just got to get one or two good guys, and then 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 you move like like Cleveland's kind of doing right now. Well, Cle- you see, you also have to get lucky in the draft. Well, yeah, of course, you got to get. Yeah, lucky. and it's just so you got to have the more the more swings you got at it, the better chance you have of being lucky. But yeah, I I. I uh, I think uh, Benji and I will just, I'll resist the temptation to go down the path uh, of uh, that debate. We will, we'll bring back to it uh, at the end of the season, uh, the endless debate between uh, Benji and myself on tanking. Uh, He says, uh, tactically, it's a good idea from time to time. I can't stand it any, any time. All right. Uh, I have to talk about something just popped into my head and, um, I think the most overrated coach in the NBA, I'm going to say this, Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to go on this rant, okay, Miles and Benji? Put, just put up. I'm, I, uh, I'm in L.A. I'm visiting my uh, daughters and my granddaughter, my new granddaughter, uh, and my son-in-law has the NBA package, okay? And so through the NBA package, I get to watch it. We were every night. We got a different NBA game from the home team's perspective. So I'm watching the Knicks. All right, Tom Thibodeau coaches the Knicks. He used to coach the Minnesota Timberwolves, and of course, he used to coach the Bulls. And some guy dives on the floor for the Knicks, and the announcer says, "That's Tom Thibodeau is proud of that right now because that's you know a Thibodeau kind of player." And I'm like, this knee jerk reaction to give all credit to Tom Thibodeau. For what his players do, it's like college mentality. It's sort of like they always credit Shashevsky. What a brilliant coach. What a great tactician. This love, this adoration, this veneration for coaches. And I think it's just a love for like out of shape looking. I hate to white guys who yell. Yeah, I'm just yeah. putting it out there, Miles. That's why <laughs> if it's a white guy who's yelling, that's coaching. I love that. And I, it's it's so twisted and weird. Yeah. And and then I look at the other hand, like this guy's teams, they're mediocre. And he had this tremendous talent, Kemba Walker, and he's like, oh, I'm Tom Thibodeau. I'm going to throw him on the bench and not play him. And now with COVID, he's got to play him. The dude just scored 44 points last night, Miles. I don't know if you Ridiculous. saw that. Yeah, yeah. All right, Miles, I'm going to ask you to weigh in and then Benji weigh in. Tom Thibodeau, am I being unfair to him or do you th- agree with me that he's overrated? No, I, I really, I, I agree. I agree. I know that I thought I know the Knicks had a pretty you know healthy run last year. Um, but when I look at this team right now, uh, Julius Randle leads in points, rebounds, and assists. But points, he's leading with nineteen. You know, rebounds nine, which is not bad. Assists is five, but it's you know there's not really anyone else around him that that Tom Thibodeau is kind of like you know building up to get some sort of consistent winning culture there and. Um, no, no, I, I, I do love Kemba Walker getting more of an opportunity. I know that he was, you know, he had a reduced role earlier this year, just, you know, for whatever reason, I've always believed that Kemba Walker should have been playing more. Um, but no, I never, no, I, I really don't, I really don't, you know, have a lot of faith in what Tom Thibodeau is going to really, really be doing with the Knicks. I don't really think the Knicks have much of a plan uh, other than Julius Randle, really. Um, I mean, R.J. Barrett, eh, 
Evan Fournier, sure. But but besides that, uh, you know, I don't I don't know how much you could really work with uh, what they have and with with what Tom Thibodeau's doing at the moment, where it's just where he's kind of trying to you know reduce roles to some certain players. That's not going to work. You got to win, man. They're they're fourteen and eighteen. I just you know figure something out, and you know it's New York, so fans are going to let them know how good they're doing. Benji, Tom Thibodeau, uh, do you think he's overrated, or you think I'm being unfair? Oh no, he's way overrated. Uh, it's it's interesting because uh, there's probably I don't think there's ever been more underrated coaches than ever in NBA history. There's a lot of good coaching out there, and a lot of them are on teams you just don't know about. Uh, and I don't think there's a lot of bad coaching. I mean, Jason Kidd's usually pretty bad, but um, that's a weird hire. And then Thibodeau's. I, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't hire him. <laughs> ever so uh but what i i wanted to say something about your comment about you know why people like him and it's almost like in a way it's like boiling it's this weird uh last hopefully last gasp of cultural white power crap of the old yeller you know the bobby knight you know the only way to be successful is have this angry white guy screaming at kids. What the fuck? Like how that's the way to get through messages, this tough love shit that like, I thought, you know, I thought we got over that after the great Santini, you know, it's crazy, man. Uh, love is the better way. It's been proven over and over again. Look at Steve Kerr. I mean, this is, the winning way. I can't believe any of these assholes get any kind of like positive commentary in any media. It's just gross that it's still, you know, the same old people <laughs> are doing the media. I guess that's why we got to get rid of them too. So it's a. Uh, I'm just hoping it's a last gasp. Well, uh, maybe I, I do know this. Uh, I, I'm with you, Benji, and I know Miles is uh, Miles played a lot more sports than I did. Uh, and I've, I've worked in a lot of his games and I looked at his coaches and I'm not naming any names, but, uh, you know, the, the, the idea that you're going to get more out of abusing people, uh, as a philosophy miles, you know, I don't buy and I would, I wouldn't want to be treated that way. So why would you think Zach Levine wants to be treated that way? And, uh, and you know, LeBron James doesn't want to be treated that way. So I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I'm with Benji 100% on this. Uh, I didn't buy it when Bobby Knight was doing it. You know what I'm saying, Miles? Yeah, I, but he was beloved, wasn't it's he? Um, it was stupid. It, 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 it's interesting when I look back on, you know, different coaches that I've had. There's a difference between, like, productive, tough love and then a coach that's just being outrageous. I know some coaches are very passionate about what they do. I'm not vouching. I'm not vouching for, for, for any of them because the majority of the coaches that I had were like that. They didn't really make my career better. Um, but there are those coaches where it's like uh, during the games, sometimes there, there's emotions that come out. But when we're talking about like a practice setting, it's, you know, that coach might be a little bit of a different person. And for some players, that does work for them. Um, but there's always there's always a way to go about it. And for me as a coach, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be the kind of coach where, you know, it's going to be yelling in the face and then, you know, kind of like just being pretty irate during the games. It doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't help 
that's putting more pressure on that player, making him or her more nervous to go out there and perform and, uh, you know, they're not relaxed. They're more susceptible to making a mistake. No, no, I, I, I agree. I agree. It's not the it's not the time for this anymore. It's time to move on to a more, you know, loving kind of coaching style where it's like, hey, I got your back. Go out there, you know, do what you got to do. Um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, I've never been a fan of it. Um, but I know there's definitely those coaches where they are like that, and sometimes it does work. Yeah, I, I, uh, uh, I, I truly don't know. I'm with you, Miles. I truly don't know how uh, Tom Timber's reputation just seems to grow in the face of, like, Minnesota was a disaster. The Bulls ended horrifically. Um, game six against Cleveland was one of the biggest collapses I've ever seen. That was Tom Thibodeau, 2015, ladies and gentlemen. Somehow or other, he walks away from that wreckage uh, with a reputation intact. Uh, maybe those days are over. All right. Uh, this is the COVID season. The The NBA, uh, my beloved Bulls, were shut down by COVID. I think 10 players at one point. Uh, Benji were on the disabled lift because of COVID. Uh, every team in the league is suffering it from to one degree or another. The one uh, benefit of this, I have that in quotes, is that some names from the past have resurfaced and have been uh, signed. Uh, and I'm getting a big kick out of this. My favorite by far is the Bulls signing of Alfonso McKinney, uh, who I saw play in high school. He played at Marshall High School, graduated uh, the same year as my youngest daughter. I remember him very well as a Marshall guy. I've kind of followed him from afar, rooting for him. He's one of the Chicago kids. Uh, you know, you have a cup of coffee here and there. I think he played for the uh, the Warriors and uh, the Lakers. And he uh, the Bulls signed him because they had to fill out their roster. He scored 60 points the other night. He's my absolute favorite. Uh, Benji, do you have any favorites of the guys brought back to fill up the roster because of COVID? Um. Not, I, I haven't watched a lot of them yet. I, I, I just saw a guy with the name David Duke uh, that was a black guy, and I, I thought that was just the most crazy thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, what was going on there? Um, and he actually had a really good game. Um, but overall, I, my comment is I, I love when these like guys get a chance to play like this, and I'm most excited to see the – two or three guys that stick. I don't really know who they are yet, um, but there will be guys that will stick and just some, you know, whether it's like the uh, Duncan Robinson that comes out of Miami <laughs> out of nowhere or, you know, Miami always does these guys anyway, right? Like Gabe Vincent and Max Struess. And it's like Miami hasn't even changed. They have like 10 guys like ready to go that are G league superstars. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm just more rooting for like one or two, like some of these guys. I mean, this is cool for them. It's so hard to get in the NBA and to just get a chance to play. It's pretty cool. Uh, Miles, you got any favorites? Yeah, uh, I look at I look at Joe Johnson specifically. Joe right now. I just, I, you know, I, I thought I thought it's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> I just think I think he has a cool story. I like that he played he played in the big three with Ice Cube and. You know, he was dropping so many points during those games. And recently in an interview, he said that he's thanking Ice Cube in the big three for him to, you know, to have this opportunity in the NBA again. I think that's awesome. He's someone who, like, I'm really rooting for because I've always been a Joe Johnson fan. And just to see kind of that emergence and, you know, I've always grown up watching him and a few other players in his era. It's just cool to me. So for me specifically, Joe Johnson. I'd rather see Ice Cube. I'd rather see. I I, I have Miles. uh, (laughs) 
I, I do not like the Celtics at all. Okay. I yeah, struggled yeah. with the Celtics <laughs> my entire life. They've beat defeated my beloved Bulls so many times. I did root for them when they were up, uh, when it was Kevin Garnett, Celtics, uh, Doc Rivers against the Lakers. But I, I do love Joe. Joe Johnson's playing with the Celtics, is why I mentioned him. And I saw him last night uh, on a uh, highlight reel, putting in some buckets. And I'm with you. I love. He's one that I love. Uh, and um, I saw that uh, Darren Collison returned. He's with the Lakers now. So. Uh, yeah, I'm rooting for. I, I generally, I'm like you, Miles. I root for old guys. Old guys making comebacks. And Ice Cube, yeah, Ice Cube. Come on, you could. Uh... I, I did catch some Taco Fall minutes, which were really fun. Yeah, Taco Fall. Yeah, yeah, Taco. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, so, uh, anything uh, you guys want to get off your chest? Yeah. Any observations you want to make? Go ahead, Ben. You go first. I have been talking about this with my friends for quite a while. I've never heard one media person mention that, and I, I was on this a year ago, even when he was rolling. Uh, what would you sell Zion for if you were running New Orleans? Because I would sell pretty darn low. And I know I could get a lot for him. I mean, I, I'm just, right now I'd be like, I'm out, I'm out, out, out. Big guys like that that can't stay in shape don't seem to love basketball. That's weird. I don't like that. And a, a history of injuries, he's only going to have more. Ugh, get me out of there. Yeah, I would take trade as him. much as I could. Yeah, he's on my fantasy team. I'm learning a good lesson right That's now. That's right. <laughs> Miles, would you Gosh. trade Zion Williamson? Yes. Um, this, you know, Benji's, Benji makes a very good point. There is, uh, there is some history with – his inconsistency of staying healthy. Um, and earlier this year, you know, he had a little bit of a weight problem. A little uh, bit. <laughs> I'm being, I'm being very modest. I, more than Chad. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I like Zion. I don't want to, I don't want to be too tough. I on like him, Zion but, too, uh, but what's he doing in a Mountain Dew ad when he's got weight problems? Yeah. This, yeah. He was, he was large and in charge. Well done. Adrian. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think uh, I think you know his history speaks for itself. I don't know if there's much buying in for Zion at this point. I, w- I would love to see at least one more healthy season out of him, but I know that's that's kind of a long shot uh, at this point. But you know, he's young. We'll see. Well, he's one guy that I'm rooting for. Uh, oh yeah, I, I really I, root I for him. Rooting to, for. I, I I hate when people get injured. This is like a thing I talk about obsessively uh, when I'm watching games. I want the best to play. And uh, so, like AD going down, Anthony Davis. I don't like the Lakers. I root against the Lakers, but it's like I want the best to be on the court. I want Anthony Davis to have a long, pro- uh, productive career. So I'm really rooting for Zion Williamson uh, to return. Uh, it's so funny that you talk about trading him because that's all New Orleans does is trade their players. Well, but this and- is one where it's like I, I, I is it ever is it the asset for him ever going to be better? You almost have to think of it like a stock. He doesn't like New Orleans anyway. He's pretty much said he wants to get out of there. He's got this injury history. He's overweight. I don't know. I mean, someone's going to still give you a ton right now for him. Like, you can get a ton. I would take it. Well, here, uh, and this gives me an opportunity to raise a topic I said I wouldn't raise, uh, but I'm bringing, coming back to it. The fallacy of tanking. 
because <laughs> if you recall, it was about three years ago. Benji knows where I'm going with on this one. We'd be at the bowling alley, and all everybody was tank bulls tank because we can get Zion. How, it was the, all the everybody was tanking to get Zion. Well, and wait Zion, a minute though, because I, if if he's in a good organization, like we go back to this again, and uh, so unfortunately he's got this injury history now too. But and. But if he was in like the Miami Heat organization, he was on their workout schedule day after day, and they had maybe I, I still think he's got a problem the way he runs and walks, like kind of like Steph Curry had early in his career. And he he doesn't when he walks, it, there's it's not uh I don't know what's the term like uh, like with good symmetry or whatever. It's, it's it's something's off with it. Like his weight distribution's all wrong. I think it's what's causing a lot of his injuries besides his weight and you know until he like and that's a hard thing to fix if that's truly a problem a lot of people have like you know pointed that out uh but uh i don't know i i, I maybe on a better team he would have like you know they would have been on him 24 7 all the time he would have had a good nutritionist he would have changed his habits from day one they wouldn't let him get away with bullshit we don't know right this is kind of the whole thing about good organization bad organization well i i just know that uh that you're 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 echoing an argument that people put to me when i talk about the bears <laughs> yeah and right I, I i quit on the bears uh when they um they didn't take patrick mahomes uh miles and i've talked about this on the air many times i just think they're prejudiced against black quarterbacks and they didn't take uh patrick mahomes so they try to make up for it with Justin Fields. Okay, a little late, but better late than never, I say. Uh, and so when I say that, people come right back to me and they go, Ben, if the Bears had taken Patrick Mahomes, he'd been as bad as Mitch Trubisky. You know what I'm saying? Because like, the Bears organization is so bad that even someone so talented as Patrick Mahomes would be ruined by them. To which I go, all right, let me ask you this then, Mr. Uh, I blame it on the organization. Does that mean that if the Chiefs had taken Mitch Trubisky, he'd be as good as Patrick Mahomes? And you know what the response is? Habita, habita, habita. Because they have no response. <laughs> uh, well, the truth is in the middle, right? Yeah. What do you think, Miles? If the Bears had taken uh, Patrick Mahomes, would be he, would he be as bad as Mitch Trubisky? You know, I I, I really like what, what, what Benji said with that. I do think it's kind of in the middle. It depends on how many how they can develop him as a quarterback. Does he does he fit that team? I feel like there, I feel like that is such a loaded question. I really don't have too much of an answer for it, but I do want to say yes. I think Patrick Mahomes is you know a once in a while talent when it comes to a quarterback. So I'm gonna say yeah. yeah. I, I think he'd be Patrick Mahomes on the Bears. It's just that he'd be really yeah. frustrated because they they make Tom Thibodeau look good. All right. Uh, so, uh, Miles, you get your chance. You got something you want to get off your chest, some observation you want to make, a prediction you want to make about uh, the season to come, uh, maybe even some of the Christmas Eve, uh, Christmas Day games, whatever's on your mind about the NBA. The floor is yours. Um, yeah, you know, simply, I think, you know, I think Steph Curry right now is the best player in the NBA. I know that's there's going to be some people that are going to try to combat that. I believe that Steph Curry is the best player in the NBA. Yeah, I think I think um I had this conversation with my dad the other day, and I'm and I'm curious to know what people think. When people look at the NBA right now, with everything with everything going on, more more so in the state of who the players are, 
are you thinking of LeBron James first or are you thinking of Steph Curry first? Now, I ask that because uh, I have these little conversations, you know, with the players that I'm coaching. You know, we, you know, I don't always want to keep it on baseball and everything like that, try to like loosen everything up. And a lot of players that I talk to, kids in general, they're mentioning Steph Curry before they're mentioning LeBron James. So it's just something that is a very like interesting conversation to me as a as, just in terms of, you know, who's kind of like the face of the NBA right now. I think there's, um, you know, I think that's a fair argument to make as a, you know, wh- wh- who's the player you think of first when you think of the face of the NBA? I think it's definitely Curry. Think- He's the most popular player by far. I will ask you this. Who in the history of the NBA or the or if there is one, like who is the last person to have more universal appeal than Steph Curry? Great question. Michael Jeffrey oh. Jordan. It's probably Jordan. Oh, but he also McCombie. had a lot of haters. And there's I don't know if there's that many Curry haters. Uh I don't know if uh, Michael Jeffrey Jordan is uh he's he's on everyone's if you're hating michael jeffrey jordan it's because his defeat his you're a nick fan and you're still crying well i'm talking about they respected him yeah but they didn't like him people love uh okay i'm gonna tell you someone who doesn't love steph curry and the golden state warriors i'm gonna tell you someone yeah the guy you're talking to me I can't stand the Golden State Warriors. What? They beat they beat my beloved Chicago Bulls oh uh, season God. record. Bulls won 70 games or 72 games uh in 1996 and then along come the, the Warriors. They won 73 and they were oh, we're the Warriors and their owners some hedge fund guy was like, "Yeah, this, we know how to put a team together." Once again, <laughs> taking all the credit. All right. <laughs> and then they uh so that I was I had never Benji and this is funny, and Miles Dad can tell you this. I have never rooted for the Cleveland Cavaliers in my life. I was the biggest Cleveland Cavalier fan in 2016. Come on, LeBron. Come on, Kyrie. Come on, Kevin Love. And they defeated the Golden State Warriors. So, uh, but that's Doesn't Steve Kerr kind of like help that a little bit? Like, aren't you rooting for Steve Kerr a little bit for former Bull? Bull? No. To quote our dear friend Norm Dunbar, <laughs> negatory. No. How, do you, how quickly do you forget the LeBron pain he inflicted on the Bulls? What a weird memory you have. Oh, like, my God. Choose LeBron. Which one to hate. Yeah, no. I, try, cry as a child. Yeah. I hear you, Benji. Life is filled with inconsistencies. Uh, <laughs> uh, I hear you loud and clear. Uh, but that is a great question uh, that you raised, Miles. And I would say, having putting all that aside, because I hated on Kobe, but w- in his last years, I was loving him. I got weepy eye when he scored the sixty points. I was at the bowling alley uh, when it when it happened, and uh, because I really, I I, I, I root against p- these guys, uh, Miles and Benji, but I realize how great they are, you know. And again, I want everyone healthy. I want to beat the best, and if they beat me. I got to concede how great they are. And in my opinion, Steph Curry is in my top 10 right now. He's all time. made it to all time. Wow. He, he changed the game. Um, he, Who are you knocking out? Yeah. Uh, Shaq. Oh, well, okay. I, 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 I'm all in on that. Who's number uh, nine? Shaq will throw a fit. You got your list, <laughs> you got your list handy? Uh, what's that? You got your list handy? 
I can do it off. Let's see if I can do it. I do it in clumps, and I'm not doing it uh, less. So here are my three. You got to go with the big three uh, centers, Russell, Chamberlain, uh, Jabbar. And let me just say I'm much older than Benji uh, or Miles, so I go back in time. You got the big three. Then you t- tied to the hip, you go with uh, Irvin Magic Johnson and Larry Joe Bird. You got Those two go hand-in-hand wherever. They saved the NBA in 1980. What a rivalry it does. That's five. Michael Jeffrey Jordan is six. Uh, then I go to the the, the next generation. Uh, I got to give it to uh, Kobe, uh, LeBron, Steph Curry. Uh, that is nine. And then the 10th, it's like day-to-day, Benji. I fluctuate. It's like, what day you get me today? I Sometimes I put the big O in there, Oscar Robertson. I loved him when I was a kid. I got to put him up there. Sometimes I put Dr. J because in the 70s when he was in the ABA, I just I idolized the guy. So I kind of, Moses Malone. So I just love Moses Malone. So, so you know what I'm saying? I, that 10th, nice. I kind of hold the 10th open for the next generation. You follow yeah. me? So maybe John Morant <laughs> one day will be the 10th. Durant. I don't know. So that's my. Durant's uh, got to be close, right? I was thinking maybe you put Katie in there. He's at Katie, and whenever I say this, Miles' dad always says Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan. Well, uh, not so wrong. you got to, you know. Uh, anyway, gentlemen, it's a blast talking uh, basketball with you. And uh, I know you'll be watching the games tomorrow. So have a Merry Christmas. All right. Stay healthy. Don't get COVID. All right. All right. Thank you, Miles. Thank you, Benji. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. Bye.